Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. Through this podcast, we hope to challenge and equip you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus and in living and loving like Him. We have become accustomed to living in constant fear, paralyzed by the ever-growing list of things that make us afraid. This is no way to live. Thankfully, this state of fearful worry can be escaped. God's Word is full of commands to release fear. We can't elude the things that have the potential to create fear, but they do not have to lead to our ruin. Through faith, we can face all things, knowing God's promises are true and His power is sufficient. In Christ, we can live fearless. Y'all ever have those moments where you worship so hard you feel like you're going to pass out? I have those, I'm not talking about slain in the spirit. I'm talking about empty of oxygen. Because like you're just, that, when we do that, another in the fire. Like, I just find myself screaming so loud. That's why nobody will sit near me. Y'all know I'm by myself. Everybody, Bobby left me and came back when the singing was over. Did you notice that? Grab your Bible and go to Jonah. You heard me right, Jonah. That's where we're going to get to in a minute. Now, if you were here last week, I told you we were going to go into Nineveh this week. Now, it wasn't a lie if I meant it when I said it. Right? Um, but some things happened this week, and we switched some stuff up, and, and we're going to get to Jonah in just a minute. But we are in part nine of our series that actually started out as fearless. And somewhere along the way, we shifted it to a different title, Courageous. But it's kind of been all in the same series. And y'all, we have, we've never done a series with nine parts in it. But this topic is just too important to try to rush through it. Because for us in this room that call this church home, this is going to be the year where everything changes. Come on, somebody. And I don't mean, I don't mean the year you lose 20 pounds. That will be awesome. But I mean this is the year where you finally move forward in faith. Well, you don't forfeit what faith has for you because of fear any longer. Because what God has for you in faith is too beautiful and powerful and anointed to miss out on. And for most of us, we've missed out on really beautiful, powerful things our whole life because we've let fear dominate our lives. And this is the year that that ends. It stops in 2020. Come on. This is going to be the year where we don't, not that we're going to eliminate fear. Now, if this is your first week, we're not trying to eliminate fear because to eliminate fear altogether is impossible. As a matter of fact, I've submitted to you, if you walk faithful with God, he's going to take you into fearful places. He's going to take you into some scary places. And so we're not going to eliminate the fear, but we're going to elevate the faith so that even when fear comes, even when walking with God gets scary, we keep walking. We keep going to where he wants us to go, even when it's scary, that we're not going to let anything push us off faith. And to do that, it takes courage. Courage, undeterred by danger or pain. Undeterred by that fear. We feel it. We embrace it. We say, fear, I, I feel you, but I'm going to keep walking in faith. I'm scared, but I'm going to keep stepping. Come on, somebody. Like, I'm going to keep moving forward. And, and we've been, I'm going to read it to you. I told you to go to Jonah. We're going to get there in a minute so you can read the verses that I'm going to read in the meantime on the screen if you want to. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. 
when Joshua steps into that place, taking the leadership baton of Moses, he's stepping into some scary shoes. He's stepping into a scary assignment, trying to lead stubborn people from where they are to where God wants them to be. And when he takes this new position, what God says to him is this, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He said, and never once does God ask Joshua to be fearless. He commands that he be courageous. Undeterred. And so this is our goal. It's going to use faithful obedience in the midst of fearful circumstance. That's what we're trying to do. Like the, and not just for 2020, but for the rest of our lives. To be faithfully obedient to whatever, wherever God is calling us, even in the midst of fearful circumstance. That is our goal, that we build this courage where we keep moving forward. And I hope that as we've been learning throughout this entire year, this series is going to last a few more weeks. That okay with y'all? Okay, awesome, because that's what God wants, okay? <laughs> to build the courage. But, you know, if you're kind of asking yourself, all right, is this courage happening? Am I, am I becoming courageous? Let me tell you where to look. Courage will be demonstrated by choice. When Joshua was kind of coming to the end of his life, one of the last things that he says to the people that he's led for all these years, he's coming to the end for years now, he has courageously, he has faithfully walked in obedience, even in the midst of fearful circumstance. And when he comes to the end of his life, we read this last week, I want to remind you what he says to the nation of Israel as he's about to die. Joshua 24, verse 15. He says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites whose land you are now living. He says, choose, because courage will be demonstrated by choice. Whether or not you're courageous will be seen in the choices that you make. Are you with me? Because that's when that courage is evidence. When, we, when life throws us in those crossroads, life ever puts you there? Where you've got all these different directions you can go. And you have to make a choice. Am I going to go God's way or am I going to go some other way? Am I going to have the courage to choose God's path and God's plan for my life? Or am I going to go the way of the world or do my own thing? Like, that's when you know whether or not you're courageous. Especially when you have to make that choice seemingly all by yourself. When maybe you're the only one that's going to choose to go. That's when you're going to know whether or not you have courage. And I want us to have courage when it counts. Yesterday before our 11 o'clock gathering, my daughter worships in here. She serves in our kids' ministry in the 9 o'clock. Then she comes in here. She sits right on the front row and worships in the 11 o'clock. And if you sit on the front row, you're just, you're just good ammunition for your dad. But she walks up to me and she says, Daddy, are you going to embarrass me today? I'm like, first of all, I'm the coolest dad you'll ever have. So don't be talking like, to me like that. But yes, I am. And I wasn't. But then I, I, I thought of something after she told me that. Like every, so I'm like, thank you, baby. Like you gave me some, a good sermon illustration. That's why you have kids as a preacher. So you have sermon illustrations. 
We have family new movie night at our house sometime, a, a lot of times now because y'all know it costs, if you take a family four to the movies, it's $8,000. <laughs> Testify somebody in the room. Like, they want candy and they want popcorn and they, one bag of popcorn, $75. I promise, that's what it is. It is crazy how expensive it is. Time you buy the tickets and maybe the, we need to let the president give us free candy at the movies. That's what I'm voting for. I don't know about y'all. Um, but so we do family movie night. And my kids are old enough that now, like, every family movie night don't have to be a Disney movie. And I'm <laughs> over here. Like, we get to watch fun, like, good movies every now and then. And I, okay, Disney movies. But my little girl likes scary movies. Or she thinks she likes scary movies. Because we'll watch something scary. And Friday night we're watching a scary movie. And she loves scary movies till it gets to the scary part. Like, when it gets to that point where, like, you, you know, and like, you can, scary movies, good scary movies, like, you can tell by the music, I think something's about to happen. Right? This is what she does. She buries her face in her mama's shoulder and says, tell me when it's over. <laughs> and she covers her ears and everything. And, of course, I tell her it's over when it's really not. <laughs> and I'm like, baby, you have the courage to start the movie, but you don't have the courage to watch when it actually gets difficult. Do you see where I'm going? See, it's easy to have courage to start. But when you have courage, like when it really gets difficult, when it really gets challenging, like, like anybody can stay true to their diet until your coworker brings a dozen Krispy Kremes to work. <laughs> like, you know, it's anybody can have courage. I want us to have courage when it counts. When life puts us in those situations where we have to make hard choices. We have to courageously choose. And what I hope that is going to happen as a result of this series is we get to the place where we consistently choose what he has chosen for us. Like we consistently choose what he has chosen for us. Like that's the goal, the courage to consistently choose what he has chosen for us. That when life puts us in those positions, those difficult spaces, and we can choose to operate God's way, to live with inside his framework, to live with inside his parameters and his boundaries and his standards, and he calls us something, to something, like we, we have the courage to choose that. And maybe I just need to remind you, like, you know he has chosen things for you. Like, you know, like, like he's even, he, he's, Big picture, he, he has a standard that he's chosen for all of us who follow Jesus that we need to live within. Not everything comes down to personal conviction, church. Do I need to preach that a little bit? Like, like, and how you know what he has chosen for you is to know what he's written down already for you. That you are, you are chosen. He has chosen things for you. And that's why when God told Joshua that courage would be necessary, he said, meditate on this. Day and night, speak it, think about it. And you know, we, we live in a time where we really don't have any excuse to be ignorant of God's word. Everybody in this room, even the three-year-old has a smartphone. <laughs> and believe it or not, there are other apps out there besides the ones that we spend most of our time on. You know what the best thing that could happen to you spiritually and financially this year? If you would delete Facebook and Amazon, you'd be less depressed and have more money. 
and maybe get into that YouVersion Bible app. Just, um, I need to move on. I got... But I just want, can I just read some verses to you real quick? Proverbs 16, 9. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Like God's just chosen things, places, stuff he wants you to do and places you want to go. Jeremiah 1, 5, I deeply believe before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. I don't think this is just true for Jeremiah. I think this is true for all of us. Y'all know my story. I feel this verse more than anything. My biological mom was 16 years old when she decided to have me and put me up for adoption. I was born in 1978. That's five years after Roe versus Wade, which made abortion legal. The fact that I'm standing on this platform, breathing air and preaching the word of God is proof that that verse is true. If it was true for Jeremiah and it was true for me, it's true for you. I don't care what your mama told you. You're not an accident. You were formed by the hand of the creator of the universe. You are the byproduct of his imagination. <laughs> Ephesians 2, chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. Like God has chosen you. And maybe if you understand that you are chosen, you can trust what he has chosen for you. Because you were chosen, you can trust what he has chosen for you. No, it won't be easy. I, I remind you, following Jesus doesn't make your life easier. It just makes it better. And what we're trying to do is get to that place where, again, I don't think most of the time when we walk in disobedience to God, it's not, it's not a lack of clarity. It's an absence of courage. That's why we didn't start this year with a vision series. I know a lot of churches did, 2020. It's just natural fit for vision. But we don't need vision because if I'm honest, I, most of my life, I've known what God wants me to do. It's the doing it that's the hard part. Can anybody relate? Like I know what God desires for me. And if you read this book very much, you will begin to see it too. You'll be under, understand. God is not, again, he's not playing hide and go seek with his standards or your calling. He has made it much more plain than we realize. So this is the year that we have the courage, the courage to do what we clearly know, the courage to go where he's clearly leading, the courage to follow him where he's clearly leading us. But that's hard, isn't it? Because I, I don't know about you, but I've had moments in my life when I stood at that crossroads and I knew what God was calling me to do and I did the exact opposite. Oh, y'all holy people. Y'all never done that? Maybe it's just me and Jonah. We're the only ones. Because see, I relate to Jonah's story because I've, I've, in so many ways I've lived it. So grab your Bible, go to Jonah chapter 1. I know y'all are familiar with this story because you watched that VeggieTales video a thousand times when you were growing up. But can we just look at it one more time? Because there's some rich truth that so goes along with the heart of what we're talking about that I want to dig out for us quickly tonight. Jonah chapter 1, pick up with verse 1. It says, the word of the Lord 
came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Now let's stop. Like God's instructions to Jonah, pretty clear, amen? Like, like you don't need like a, a theological degree or a, a doctorate from some Bible college to figure out, go to Nineveh and preach against it. So Jonah couldn't say, what do you mean? Because what he does next, like, like it's, verse 3. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So God says, Jonah, here is clearly what I want you to do. Go to Nineveh and preach against it. And Jonah says, nope. And literally and physically goes the opposite direction. And again, like I think a lot of times, like the question is why? Because we, we've all done what Jonah has done. Come on. Like God has said, here's what I want you to do. And you've said, I know you're God. I know you love me. I know you died for me. I know you know a lot of things that I don't know. I'm going to go here instead. Why, why do we do that? Because we've all done it. And now it would, it would, it would be nice if we could be like, well, Oh, sorry, God, I, I misunderstood. <laughs> but can we be honest? That's kind of what we do sometimes. Because I think it's so much easier to plead ignorance than acknowledge our defiance. It's so much easier for us to plead ignorance instead of acknowledging defiance. And so much of our reason for running is more out of blatant defiance than pure ignorance. I told you I've lived it. Y'all know, know my story. If you don't, when I was 16, I preached my very first sermon. Worst sermon in the history of preaching. I hope this one is at least a little bit better than that one. Seven minutes long. Some of y'all are like, I got to get home. I wish you'd preach one now. Uh, <laughs> that night, I've never heard the audible voice of God. But it was as clear in my spirit as anything I've ever heard. The Lord say, Matt, this is what I want you to do for the rest of your life. And you know what I said? Nuh-uh. Now, we're going to get to the root of Jonah's reason for running. But in my mind that night, like it, a lot of it was, I, I didn't want to preach. You know what? Y'all are mean. I grew up in it, man. My dad was a pastor. I saw what it was like. I, I didn't want anything to do with that. And, and so literally, in a lot of ways, I ran the opposite direction. If over here is what it meant to be a preacher and to live like a preacher and to do the things a preacher is supposed to do, I started doing all these things. I don't know. Maybe it's going to make you uncomfortable, but, you're, but you're, your pastor has sin in his past. <laughs> Just like the rest of you. I was going to convince God that he didn't want me to be a preacher. So I started padding my sin resume. Anybody ever spend years padding your sin resume? Come on. Like, I was going to show God that the last person that he wanted to be a preacher was going to be me. Ran the opposite direction. There's some people in the room. God has called you. God has chosen something for, for you. 
And you're just so busy running the opposite direction. And it's not out of ignorance. It's out of just blatant defiance for whatever reason. And if you're looking for a reason to run, can I tell you something? If you're looking for a reason to run, you'll find one. You'll find one. Go preach the city of Nineveh. Jonah says no. But how many people know the last thing you need to try to run from is God? Because <laughs> that, I mean, sometimes you can get away from the police, but you cannot get away from God. <laughs> I'm crazy on Mondays. It's weird. Uh, Jonah chapter 1, go to verse 4. So he gets on this boat, and he's headed the opposite direction. And then it says, like, he's, he's on this boat. Then the Lord, verse 4, then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God, and maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, come, let's cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So Jonah tries to run from, the God, from God, but God is always chasing after us. Because once God has chosen something from you, that cannot be erased. And Jonah runs, and he's on this boat with these other guys. And the storm is so bad, even the sailors are scared. Now that says something to us. These are grown men. And in this day, they would have been, what you did probably was passed down from generation to generation. So if you were a sailor, your dad was a sailor, your granddaddy was a sailor, your great, like, like you had grown up on the water. So I got to believe they had seen a storm or two in their day. And for them to be freaking out, like it appears to be in the scripture, it's got to be a pretty bad storm. You know what that reminds me of? That your, your disobedience never impacts just you. Jonah's defiance has now put other people in peril. When you live in rebellion, it has a ripple effect that impacts other people around you. Your disobedience and the consequences of it are never isolated to just you. You need to know that because there's some people in the room tonight that you're living in defiance and you're causing people that love you and that you love sleepless nights. Your disobedience is robbing somebody that you care about joy. It's creating anxiety and worry in them because your rebellion always has a ripple effect. When I was running from my call, from the time I was 16 to I was probably almost eight, like I was, I was trying to do all these things that, that could convince God that he didn't want me. And I was participating in things I shouldn't participate in, doing things I shouldn't have been doing, got in a relationship with a girl that I now look back on. I'm sure she was a demon of some kind. <laughs> but along the way, who I hurt most were the people that had loved me the most. I said some things to my parents 
that even to this day when I think about it, haunt me. Your rebellion has a ripple effect. Your defiance never affects just you. Jonah's learning that right in this moment. So can I ask you a question? Who are you putting at risk by your disobedience? Because in a room this big with this many people, there's some Jonas in here. Who are you putting at risk by your disobedience? Jonah stays on this boat, and he's not the only one that's in trouble. The entire crew is going to be impacted. And they finally figure out that Jonah is the reason for all this problems. Verse 11. Chapter 1 says the sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? And then I want you to look what happens next. Look at verse 12. Jonah says, pick me up and throw me into the sea and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon us. Now, given the series that we're in, we would assume that the reason why Jonah ran was a lack of courage. But to me, that doesn't sound like a man who lacks courage. At least not in this moment. How courageous is it for Jonah to say, hey, the only way this is going to end is y'all got to do something with me. I'm the reason that this is happening. And so pick me up and throw me to the, into the sea because I know it's my fault. It takes a courageous person to take the blame when they deserve it. Amen. To have the courage to say, this is my fault. Don't you wish you had some courageous people in your life that would say, this is my fault? So you could say, you're right, it is. <laughs> Amen. I agree. This is your fault. But don't you want to be courageous like that too? To look around when the boat's rocking and when you know you're the problem, say, it's my fault. It's my fault. It's my fault. The first step to righting what's been wrong is to know, when you know it's your fault, to own it. To say, it's my fault. It's my fault our family's in this situation. It's my fault that this relationship is in trouble. Like, it's my fault. It's so much easier to place blame than take responsibility. But if you're going to start bringing some healing, you've got to own it when it's your fault. It's my fault. That takes courage. So maybe, maybe there's something else happening, at least at this point, like maybe it wasn't necessarily a lack of courage that caused Jonah to run, and maybe there's something more to it that will be revealed as we keep reading. But verse 13, it says, But instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, 
Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Do you notice a shift in their focus and their praise? And when this first started, they were praying to their little G gods. Now they're worshiping the big L, Lord. That even in your disobedience, God will find a way to bring glory to himself. They threw him overboard. And verse 17, now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So the reward for his courage to acknowledge his sin and throw overboard were three nights in Hotel Shamu. Now, I know there's a lot of people that don't believe that this is where the story that, um, really, a grown man gets swallowed up by a whale and spends three days in there and like that works out. Now, listen, I believe God created a man. He created a water. He created a whale. He can do with it whatever he wants. And staying, staying in the belly of a whale for a few days make you think a little bit. And if you read, like, it's in that space that God begins to shift his heart and he prays this beautiful prayer that you can read in Jonah and he finally gets to the point where he's acknowledging all the things that he needs to acknowledge in order to move forward. And finally there comes a time when the whale spits him on to the shore. In verse 1, chapter 3, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. That even after all that, what God had chosen, he had still chosen. That God gave Jonah another chance. Aren't you glad to serve a God of another chance? Come on, somebody. You notice I didn't say second chance because some of us are on our 22nd chance or 40 second chance, I'm grateful that God doesn't give up on us and that God, when he has a plan for us, we are just one confession and one moment of repentance and through the faithful blood of Jesus to blot us out and make us clean again, that we can still step back into that calling and pursue what he has for us. Come on, let me preach that a little bit. No matter how broken, no matter how far gone, no matter how much baggage, no matter how much time you spent on the run, when you came back, your call's still waiting there for you. He says, hey, what I wanted you to do before you ran, I still want you to do now. Go to the city of Nineveh and preach what I tell you. Verse 3, and Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. And what happens next is Jonah steps into that city and he follows that call and he walks through it proclaiming without fear or reservation the word of the Lord, saying what needs to be said, doing what needs to be done. And this time instead of running away, he's running toward that calling and he preaches the word of God. And look what happens. Chapter 3, verse 6. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, 
He rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. When God saw what they did and how they turned from, the evil, from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Jonah goes and preaches. And what happens is they listen and they repent. I can't imagine a preacher preaches the word and the people actually do what he says. It's a miracle from God. <laughs> so we would think the next thing we're going to read is Jonah praising the Lord, celebrating his success, thinking, yes, like I did it. Like I, was, I honored God and I, I prayed and I seek him and I, I, I trusted him and, and look at what he did. Like, I know just as a preacher, it's how I would feel. But go into chapter 4, verse 1. Because Jonah's response to their repentance is going to reveal the real reason why he ran. Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. Jonah preaches. The people listen. They repent. But to Jonah, God saves them. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. It's an odd response. It says, he prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is, that is what I tried, th that is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you were gracious and compassionate, God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. He says, God, the reason why I ran is because I knew this would happen. Wait a minute. We've been talking all along that the most often we're fearful is when we're uncertain. Right? That the reason why we need courage is because God calls us to things that we're not sure about. And here Jonah's saying, no, I didn't run because I was uncertain. I ran because I was certain. I ran because I knew that you were good. I knew that I was going to be successful. That seems bananas to me. To run when you know that you're going to succeed. See, can we, the thing that we fear most, probably in this life, if we're honest, is failure. If we're just all honest, we fear failure in all aspects. And so many of the reasons why we run from what God desires for us is because we're scared we're going to fail. Jonah ran because he knew he was going to be successful. Now, I don't know that this really relates to this story, but can I just tell you that something that I've learned? There is just as much to fear in success as there is failure. I know that seems weird to some people in the room. Like, wait, let me try. That's like people say, money can't buy your happiness. Give me some money. Let me find out. There's just as much to fear in failure as there is success. Because failure causes pain, but success creates pressure. Can anybody relate to what I'm talking about? Yeah, failure causes pain, but success creates pressure. 
When you're successful in business and now you've got multiple employees that are dependent on making their living from your company to feed their families and you're worried you make one wrong decision and now all these people are going to lose their jobs and not only can you not feed your family, none of them can feed theirs. That's pressure. It's success to welcome that beautiful baby into the world. But sooner or later, that beautiful baby is going to be a teenager. Pressure. So don't think that just because that, that failure is the only place to fear, success brings just as many scary things as failure does. Are you with me? But there's, again, we got to get to the root of why Jonah was so adamant about running from God when he knew what was going to happen. Go down, go back into chapter 4, verse 3. Again, it's this, 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 this same reaction. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? He says, then Jonah had gone out, and he sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, and he sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant, and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade over his head to ease his discomfort. Jonah was very happy about the plant. So Jonah, you save a bunch of people, Lord, I'm mad. You give me some shade, I'm happy. <laughs> we're, we're learning something about Jonah's heart in this moment. But at dawn, verse 7, the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is. And I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. <laughs> but the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant though you didn't tend it or make it grow, it sprang up overnight and it died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and also so many animals? Jonah, in this moment, is more angry about losing his comfort then he was happy about the fact that thousands of people would be spared. That's revealing something about Jonah's heart. That somewhere along the way, Jonah stopped being driven by comfort for others or, or compassion for others and started being driven by comfort for himself. And that the real reason why Jonah ran was not because he lacked courage, but because he loved comfort. Jonah didn't run from God when he called because he lacked courage. Somewhere along the way, Jonah fell so in love with comfort that his own comfort became priority over anything else. See, what you might need to know is there's, Nineveh was the capital city of the country that was the arch enemy of the nation of Israel. And if that city was strong, their army would be strong. If their army would be strong, they could possibly be a threat to Jonah's beloved Israel. 
and therefore be a threat to him and his way of life and his stability. In other words, Jonah saw all this as a threat to his own comfort, and comfort became more important than compassion. And it was his love for comfort, not his lack of courage, that caused him a run away from God. And how often do we find ourselves in the same place? That the reason why when you stand at that crossroads, you're not making the courageous choice, you're making the comfortable one. That you know if you say yes to God, that the comfortable life that you've kind of fallen in love with just might be challenged. If you give your heart to Jesus, he might ask you to do something that you don't want to do. If you get completely bought into Jesus, he might even ask you to serve in kids. If you give Jesus everything, he might even cause you to let go of some of that money that we've fallen and so in love with. If you follow Jesus wherever he leads, he might actually force you to have a conversation with the lost person near you and lead them to Jesus, and that scares you to death. So often, the reason why we run is not necessarily a lack of courage, but a love of comfort. That's why I ran from my calling, because I knew how uncomfortable it would be to be a pastor, because I'd seen it firsthand and watched my dad live it. If you fall in love with comfort, and comfort becomes a driving force in your life, it will swallow up your courage. And when you stand at that crossroads, instead of doing the courageous thing and following where God leads, you'll choose the comfortable thing and stay right where you are and miss out on something beautiful God has for you. Anybody in the room too in love with comfort? Father, I pray right now that you would help us to just to be really real in this moment and transparent. Because God, as we've learned tonight, that the people in the Bible, they're not much different than us. And God, I know there are people within the sound of our voice that are choosing comfort over calling. And God, courageous people never choose comfort over calling. Courageous people never choose comfort over calling. But God, there are moments, there are times when we do the comfortable thing instead of the courageous thing, that when we stand at that crossroads and we have the time to have courage when it counts, instead of choosing you, we choose our own comfort. God, help us to be courageous enough to get uncomfortable. God, press us, push us, stretch us, challenge us. God, in this moment tonight, help us all to examine our hearts and do the difficult things that are necessary. God, thank you that even though there have been moments we've chosen comfort, that God, you're still giving us the choice. You've still put that calling in our lives. And no matter how many times we've chosen comfort, we still get the opportunity to walk in courage. God, may it start for all of us this night in this moment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. Stay connected with what's happening at Vintage by downloading the Vintage Church app, where you have access to sermon notes, upcoming events, devotionals, previous podcasts, and discover ways to connect in community. You'll also have access to our deeper podcast, which is a conversational deep dive into the message from the weekend. We hope you join us again soon.